Naval Academy Museum presents a history of the Navy in 100 objects. You may have noticed that our opening song was not in keeping with our typical Navy and Marine Corps theme. In fact, this was the Air Force song featuring the U.S. Air Force Band. Today, we remember a great Army Air Corps pilot. In 1947, the United States Army Air Corps was absorbed into the United States Air Force, and thus, we opened our episode today with the U.S. Air Force song. Object 41 was a piece of metal and fabric from the first plane to cross the Atlantic, NC-4. This capped off an explosive period of naval aviation development that had begun with the first naval aviation flight at the Naval Academy and continued through World War I and into the 1920s with Richard Byrd's polar aviation exploits. A group of naval innovators, many of whom we have already discussed, like Lieutenant Rogers and Admiral Byrd, won fame and accomplished many daring aviation exploits during this time. However, one aviation feat stands above them all in the history books. Charles Lindbergh's first flight from New York to Paris. Charles Lindbergh had always been fascinated by aviation, but it wasn't until his college years that he actually learned to fly. He first became a wing walker and a parachutist for a barnstorming pilot, and then bought his own World War I surplus airplane in 1923. In 1925, the then unknown Lindbergh commissioned into the Army Air Corps as a reservist. After his Army commissioning, Lindbergh went on to fly for a commercial company which had an airmail contract with the U.S. Postal Service. It was while flying the airmail routes that Lindbergh gained the nickname Lucky Lindy after two successful parachute jumps from crashing mail planes. It was also during this time that Lindbergh set his sights on the $25,000 Orteg Prize for the first solo, non-stop New York to Paris flight. For the transatlantic attempt, Lindbergh used an extensively modified Ryan monoplane, the Spirit of St. Louis. While in training, he set a new speed record with the aircraft on his trip from California to New York. Lindbergh departed Roosevelt Field, Long Island, on May 20, 1927. During takeoff on the rain-soaked runway, Lindbergh's plane was so heavily loaded with fuel that he barely made it, bouncing down the runway and narrowly clearing telephone wires at the end of the runway. Lindbergh touched down at Le Bourget Airfield 33 and a half hours later in the evening on May 21st and was greeted by a cheering crowd of 100,000 people. He was an instant international celebrity overnight and, fittingly, was brought home on his return journey by the USS Memphis, a U.S. Navy light cruiser. In the years following his historic flight, Lindbergh flew several long-distance demonstration and exploration flights, consulted for U.S. airlines, and even traveled to Germany to report on the growth of the Nazi Air Force. During World War II, Lindbergh assisted in the production of B-24 bombers and worked as a test pilot. He also flew 50 combat missions in the Pacific. Working with aviation pioneers such as Henry Guggenheim and Robert Goddard, Lindbergh helped pave the way not only for great aviation innovation, but for the U.S. space program. We now go to Dr. Jennifer Bryan, head of the Naval Academy's Special Collections and Archives program, to discuss our object today and the relationships that Lindbergh built that made such an impact on aviation and space. 
And we're in Special Collections and Archives today to look at the book We, written by Charles Lindbergh in 1927. And we have one of two special author's copies that were produced by the publisher, G.P. Putnam Sons. This one is inscribed to Harry F. Guggenheim by Charles Lindbergh. Guggenheim and Lindbergh were friends. Actually, Lindbergh completed the manuscript of We at Guggenheim's estate, Falaise, which is on Long Island. You'll see that because it is a special author's copy, it's bound in blue Morocco, it has gold tooling, you have what are called doublures, which are in red Morocco with gilt turn-ins and silk fly leaves. Obviously, not every edition featured those uh, special bindings. This, as I said, is just one of two author's copies. And you see there the autograph, and then if we turn the pages in here, you'll find an illustration of Lindbergh. So just show you a little bit more of the book. And it's also printed on special paper. And this includes uh, an etching of the spirit of St. Louis. The book is basically an autobiography of Lindbergh and an account of his transatlantic flight and then what his thoughts were on the future of naval aviation. Now, Harry Guggenheim had been an aviator in World War I, and he and his father started something called the Guggenheim Fund for the Promotion of Aviation in 1926, and actually they sponsored Lindbergh's cross-country tour after his New York to Paris flight. Lindbergh went on a tour of the United States, and the Guggenheim Fund promoted that, sponsored that. Also, the fund sponsored James Doolittle, who was working for them at the time, and he conducted the first blind instrument-controlled landing at Mitchell Field in 1929. And also in 1929, while Lindbergh was staying at Guggenheim's estate, Falaise, they both read about the work of Robert Goddard, who, of course, is a great pioneer with rockets. And so Lindbergh acted as Guggenheim's emissary to Goddard, and it was Guggenheim money that funded Goddard's, lab Goddard's laboratory at Roswell, New Mexico, and of course it's those experiments in the 1930s and 1940s with the technology that led in part to the American space program. 